This is the Roaring Elephant Podcast, and here I am with my ever-so-progressive co-host, Jon. Hello, Jon. Progressive? Mm. I'm starting to grow a beard like old men. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're progressive into old age. Okay, so that called a pre- I called it a regression, to be honest, but anyway we're getting off track here we're talking about values not about progression or regression or things like that because values aren't anything to do with progression Uh, but but what is the value that we're talking about today we are talking about value number i have no idea (laughs) (laughs) progress over perfection see progression Hmm. (laughs) so you're saying now that old age is perfection for you, of course. <laughs> well, on that note, please please enlighten us on why this is a value we should keep high in our uh, standard. Okay. So, progress over perfection, I think, is, is one of these... One of the things that it's very easy to, to think, oh, like, I'm, I'm going to do this thing, and it's going to be amazing, it's going to be awesome... And uh, everyone's going to uh, bow down at how incredible and amazing and awesome it is that I have created. And you can spend, you know, so much time on something that by the time you deliver whatever it is that you've been working so very hard on, um, like it's too late. Like the time for that thing has has been and gone, and the world has moved on. the The opportunity has moved on. The deal has moved on. The conversation has moved on. Whatever it might be. And uh, yeah, you're too late to the party. And the there's there's lots to kind of, in my mind, sort of unpack on this uh, in terms of different elements of it. But this is essentially a, just about making sure that you're doing something and you're not um, holding yourself back by by expecting that everything that you do needs to be absolutely perfect. Um, and there's there's lots of different elements to this. So one of them, for example, is you know if your if your end goal is you know whatever it might be, um, you don't need to do that in one big hit. Like break something, break a big project down into smaller projects, and also yeah, but those smaller projects need to be perfect, right? No, and also like like make a start on something and then share it with someone get their feedback and then iterate on that and instead of of trying to do this giant big deliverable monolith waterfall thing you know try to be a little bit more agile try to um you know get something started maybe you know start a a design doc or whatever it might be and get feedback and then iterate on that and and sort of continue to make incremental progression so that at any time you've got something to show for you know whatever it is that you you're trying to do another part of this i think is the sort of um trying to get people out of this mindset of you know analysis paralysis where they're they they spend all of their time researching whatever it is that they're they're trying to do and then don't end up actually doing anything because they 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 spend all of the time that they had available to deliver a task. Let's not talk on, about politics here. On research, well, yeah, <laughs> let's definitely not do that. Um, and so the 
there's there's kind of lots of it's not just about making sure that you're that you're doing something it's about you know getting feedback it's about breaking large tasks down to smaller tasks it's about making sure that you you know have some sort of appropriate you know time boxing of the different sort of life cycles or stages of of whatever it is you're trying to do and you know most importantly it's about making sure that you actually deliver something you know on time at, at an appropriate level of quality that's my quick intro to this one anyway yeah i've been thinking i mean i had some different thoughts about this one which i'll come back to later mm. but i mean when you design a project you should have an end state in mind now typically mm -hmm. end states are very well, maybe not abstract, but more or less generic. It needs to solve this problem. The problem is this. We need to make something that solves this problem. I'm going to be using these tools to solve that problem. That's different from this, right? Because you can solve that problem by do making something that's bad, something mm -hmm. that's adequate, and something that's perfect, and anything in between. Mm -hmm. And the idea here is to find a good place where good enough is good enough question I got here is a team, a project team is made up of individuals who each have their own standards, their own experience, their own expectations. How would a team get to a describable uh, statement of good enough? Because they all need to go to the same goal in the end. I mean, if you have one person going with, uh, oh, this is more than enough, and the other one is really trying to get the last thing, you'll have a bad experience because it's not going to work forward. So how do you do this in group dynamic? I mean, I think group dynamics are all about um, like getting, getting all of the ideas on the table and then um, trying to come to some sort of you know, call it an agreement, call it a compromise, but like some sort of consensus on what it is that we're actually trying to do. And then there's there's an element of this which I don't I don't think we actually have. No, I don't think we've talked about this. But there's a there's another value um, called disagree and commit which is, you know, it, you might not agree with the decision that is reached in a, in, a, in, a, in a group setting. Um, but if that is the decision that is taken, then while you may have disagreed with, you know, the decision or how it was reached, you commit regardless and you don't spend your time and energy and effort Second guessing, saying I told you so. <laughs> I was or, just going to say, can I say I or, told you so at the end? <laughs> or, or sabotaging you know, like the project along the way because the, the decision that was made wasn't the decision that, that you think was the right one. And now I think in a group setting, yeah, as a, if we were thinking of sub values to, <laughs> to put into this, I think disagree and commit is a really, a really important one because you, while you may not agree with the, I don't know, company strategy or, or, you know, a decision taken on a project or whatever. Like if you're not in the boat as the phrase, uh, as the phrase goes, instead, if you're, um, you know, 
still in that mindset of, well, I didn't agree that this was the direction it should be in. Like you're actually actively causing that particular project or whatever it is, you know, risk. You're putting that project at risk um, by your uh, by your your nature and your approach. And so I think in those in those group settings, it's about that reaching that sort of consensus and then you know moving forward with that. Or leave the group. I mean, if you really can't uh, join the, the the group thinking because you think it's medical or whatever, uh, just say you can't work on this and let them replace you. I mean, that should also be an, uh, an option, obviously. I do disagree a little bit with, uh, I can't say I told you so. No, you're right. Saying I told you so is never constructive. But as we talked in the last episode, learning from bad projects, from failures, at that point, if somebody had predicted the bad outcome correctly, mm. it should definitely be given attention that yeah, sure. we saw that we balanced this way. In the future, we have now learned that, yes, this point of view is more valid than we thought it would be. And we need to call out the person or not. I'll leave it in the middle. I don't care about it. But it shouldn't be forgotten that there were this. Con and on the other side as well, I mean, this is one way you can look at a successful project evaluation. I could say, okay, when we started this, these were the objections. We handled the objections this way and we did that correctly or rightly or whateverly because the project ultimately was a success. So these uh, objections were either uh, irrelevant or overblown or handled. Yeah, yeah. The The thing about about this in a, in a group setting, I think, is you'll always get this this range of people that have different expectations, um, especially on on sort of you know you'll get those people that are absolute perfectionists and you know don't to to the to what we were talking about earlier um, on the previous episode like say do ratio like oh I'm I'm I don't want to agree to that because I don't think that we can do it to you know such a, a high and exacting standard. I think sometimes this sort of progress over perfection is about educating or enlightening people that actually having the perfect, like you yourself coming up with the perfect solution, like actually might not be the perfect solution. Like the having other people's input, having uh, other people's feedback along the journey typically ends up with a better end result. Um, and it's it's sometimes better like obviously sometimes it's better to take more time over certain things than it is to to rush them what we're not saying is uh like rush to the end result and throw something <laughs> over the wall and say ta-da all done <laughs> <laughs> um so there is always a a balance of i mean you use the the phrase kind of good enough and I think that gets I think that gets used a lot in you know, fast growing, fast moving organisations. It get used. Uh, I think it gets used a lot in the um, in the in the technology sector. You you hear about um, MVP, which is yeah. not uh, most valuable player. It's a minimum viable product, and you know that's the that's the sort of the the state of something that is is good enough to show you know what we're thinking 
the direction that we're going, the approach that we're taking? Like, will it be fully featured? Will it have all of the bells and whistles and levers and buttons? No, but it's a, a strong, it should be a strong indicator of, you know, where we're heading with, you know, whatever it is that we're talking about. I slightly disagree on the definition of an MVP. For me, an MVP should should solve the problem. I mean, you had your project, your problem statement, and you want to fix that problem. The MVP should solve that problem, but indeed mm. not have all the configurability, yeah. flexibility, deployability, whatever that might be good. And once you have your MVP, it should be something that could be sold. Yeah. Not for a billion bucks, but for a reasonable amount of money, because it should actually solve a problem for a large amount of people or organizations. Yeah. And then that's the iterative approach of uh, development. You go to the next iteration. Okay, we have our MVP. People like it. We should invest more in this. What's the next thing we're going to do? Are we going to add this extra feature to also be able to bring that quarter population in as a potential demographic? Or are we going to start discussing about the color of button number three on page five? And then it becomes a discussion about, okay, what's the effort to attain this? And what's the effect it will have? And the effect could be, how much more revenue we're going to be making, how more committers do I get on my project, uh, how much personal branding do I get, whatever. That's something that's dependent on the project, of course. But the moment that the effort outweighs the uh, benefit in a large amount, I'd say you've reached the point where anything more is going perfection instead of progress because you're just putting things on there because you can. And sometimes if you're an open source project leader and you made a project and it's a database and it does everything it should do, and now you just, because you like the thing, you want to make the logo nicer or whatever, fine, do that. But that's just outside the scope of the project at that point. That's no longer about mm. progress or perfection. It's just you making the thing even better than it can be, and that's fine. As a carpenter that, just, that doesn't just make a table, but makes nice dove uh, joints and puts nice curls on the thing, whatever, just to make it nicer. And of course, if you are in a very competitive environment where everybody's building a database, um, well, having the right color scheme might just attract a few people more than the others. So at some point, the MVP is no longer the minimal viable product, but the maximum viable product, all functionality <laughs> just is in there. And all you have left is uh, how it works. And there's whole businesses around things like GUI analysis and looking, I mean, look at uh, the Android evolution with their Metal mm. UI and Apple that also has their UI and uh, Microsoft also has their UI, which basically a button is a button, right? You press it, you click it, it does something. I don't care if it's 3D shaded, beveled, or flat shaded, or whatever. But there's a lot of money going in those things because at some point, even though more flexibility could be added to the product, it's a lot of effort. And well, those 10 people will maybe like that extra feature, but the, well, the rest of the million people we have don't. Well, at that point, eh, it makes but at that point, you're, very, you're way above what the MinVive product is, and you should basically have an end product. And to be honest, the only reason that Android changes its font from time to time so they can kind of say, yeah, we have a new version, and look at all of these new things. We have a new UI now. <laughs> <laughs> Apple's even worse. I, I must admit, just quick digression, I really do miss the um, everything being named after a dessert um, naming scheme of, uh, of Android. Anyway, um, but they broke it themselves by going commercial. I know. Well, 
other things with like progress over perfection um like we tend to see this in like you, you tend to see this in in sort of projects with deliverables like you you see this a lot in um you know more sort of concrete um things let's say but i think progress over perfection is also like something you can think about as as, as someone's sort of personal development um you you don't need to be the the perfect you know se or sa all the time um and no one should expect absolute perfection of any individual all day every day at all times and we talked you know last episode about the fact that you know humans are by their nature imperfect but you know as long as you're progressing as long as you're developing as long as you're taking feedback you know understanding it taking it on board and sort of acting on it and progressing your your career you know your your development your um you know the, the the things that you understand and the ways that you're approaching things that's also in my mind um you know falls into this progress over perfection like don't beat yourself up that very occasionally like you don't deliver the absolute perfect messaging don't beat yourself up that like you know, you, you just finish uh doing a call and you your um then you know really frustrated that oh I, I forgot to mention this one thing that was really important and i'd been thinking about it all week long and, and then i forgot like that's okay just learn from it like make sure that next time you progress and and you you do remember to to talk about that thing or mention that topic or whatever it is uh, it's not this progress over perfection for me isn't just and you know i'm sure yon is about to say well that's your manager hat on but like to me this isn't just about you know things projects documents you know code you deliver like this is about you as as an individual as well and your growth and your development well this is the the the, the, the way i was thinking about this value which i was going to say i was going to go back to at the beginning but you know I did it for me so that's fine i failed again <laughs> i could have been more perfect here but it's uh, easy to say all that it's very hard to do and oh, especially, yeah. I think, in uh, the solution architect pre-sales uh, arena, because typically pre-sales engineers, solution architects are high-functioning, intelligent people. And basically, our job description is do magic. The sales reps we work, we work with have no idea what we do and how we do it. They just expect us to have the answer, whatever the question is. Whatever the question is, they go to the essay and say, hey, answer that. Tomorrow we got a big meeting about this and you need to present that. Uh, what is that? I'll figure it out. Expectations are sky high with uh, the pre-sales engineers. And I think for developers and supporty people, it's probably the same thing. I've not been in that, those roles for a while now, so I can't talk for myself uh, from experience anymore. But it's just, yeah, the perfections are sky high in this world. And again, depending on different cultures, it's going to be worse. But this thing can really drive somebody to suicide. 
you will either go into the analysis paralysis. Mm-hmm. I mean, my backyard is a, is a wasteland. It's a, it's a wilderness because I've got this great plan of I want a pond there and a tree and it's getting better all the time and it's now two years and I haven't done a single thing yet. Because <laughs> every time I think of doing it, I start looking, searching stuff up again and oh, these tiles are better and oh, granite is better. There's always something to improve upon and it just doesn't happen. Now my, my, my garden, I don't really care that much about it. It would be nice if it was nice, but hey, there's sun, I can sit outside, I'm happy enough about it. <laughs> so it's good enough not doing anything there. But in, uh, in my, my uh, profession, I mean, when I moved over from a um, DevOps engineer role to a solution architecture role, the first year I was miserable. I hated everything. I was depressed. I got physical ailments. Uh, you were there, you know what I'm talking about. Mm. And that was purely from the stress of after every meeting, as you say, dang, I forgot this. Or in a meeting, you gave an answer and apparently that was not what the customer was asking for. And oh crap, I, I'm never going to do this job again. I'm going to fail. I'm going to get fired, whatever. And of course, being new in a job in, uh, that you haven't done before makes it a little more stressful because you do want to kind of prove that you can do this. And I can see this in my mentors when I mentor new people as well. Yeah. having them be okay with <coughs> good enough. And mm. again, uh, I usually, sorry, <coughs> cut that out. Uh, usually I make them do a certification exam, not because I want them to score 100%, but because I can tell people, you should learn this course. And they'll read the book and they think they have learned it. You have to learn this course and do the certification exam afterwards. Okay, now there's something that needs to be done as a result of training that course, mm-hmm. and you will pay more attention. And I don't care if they fail or don't. I mean, that's not the, if they, if they if they succeed, great classification, always good. If they failed, well, they hopefully learn the stuff they need to put more attention to. And again, it's by the company; they don't pay for it, so that's all good. But again, having the people then understand that that's the goal. It's again, the, 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 the travel towards it. It's a journey. It's not the end result. Certification mm. is just, well, not if you have it, but basically when I hire, when I do hiring interviews, I don't really look at certifications. Yeah. I want to see what the, people, the person is like. If you have them, great. It's not a bad thing. But if you don't mm. have them, that really doesn't disqualify you directly. But yeah. there's something that from a personal point of view, because you do want to achieve things. And if there's a certification exam, you'll take more, make more uh, effort to try and get it and there's a bit of gamification in there and a bit of inter in, in the team some a little bit of competition happening there do you have your certification yet no i should study that thing mm. but again towards getting yourself to be a better person but it's a very hard thing and i have seen people that really left the pre-sales job because they just couldn't get over this which was a yeah. huge shame because they were wonderful people where what I think would have been perfect, really perfect, uh, giving a, give it a year or something, but just yeah. not being able to get over the perfection point. And well, I know what it is because it near, nearly killed me as well. I just was lucky to have some people that uh, supported me. And that's where mentoring, I think, helps a lot too. And again, it's a bit, a bit in the setting expectation area. Mm. I mean, good enough, what does that mean? Well, in a, in a sales call, if you get the, the thing signed, well, that's perfect perhaps, but as long as the customer doesn't disqualify you, hey, as long as you set little steps forward in the end, uh, every step forward brings to the finish line. Yeah. I mean, taking a step even further back, maybe, sort of progress over perfection, um, you know, I 
I think about this in terms of, you know, my career. Like, am I ever going to have, like, the perfect job at the perfect company, doing the perfect things, delivering the perfect results? Like, the perfect uh, podcast all, episode. I mean, this is obviously the perfect <laughs> podcast episode, as is every single one of our podcast episodes. Um, just, you know, lower your expectations. Anyway, um, like, no, almost certainly not. Like, that's not my goal. But I've, I've, I've done a huge kind of, in my mind at least, like quite a, a wide variety of different types of roles in in my career. And when I say that, I'm thinking about it within within the the bounds that I set myself, which is, you know, I've spent, you know, I, I spent more than a decade in sort of mechanical engineering, aerospace. Um, I changed careers to then move into the tech world, and almost from the beginning not quite i spent a few years in consulting but then i moved into the the pre-sales world and for the last 19 years or so and you know i've i've bounced between individual contributor um you know management um you know director level roles um back to individual contributor um into into leadership again, back again to an IC role, and you know, I've I've kind of, in some people's mind, they might look at that and go, "What on earth is this person doing? Like, can they not decide what it is that they enjoy doing?" And in my mind, it, like, it's not about that. In my mind, with every change that I make, I'm progressing my career because okay maybe I, uh, I I personally I think I'm a far better manager and leader than I am individual contributor that's my 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 personal sort of thoughts and perception um, other people think I do a great job as as an IC but I when I make a change to move from a, a leadership role back into an IC role it's because I can see some other progression maybe there's a new industry or a new technology that i'm really interested in and well they don't have leadership roles there and it's far easier to get into a leadership role if you're already in that company in that space gaining that experience so progress over perfection it, i think about this a lot in terms of, of of careers and not just my career but my team's careers and other people's careers and thinking about you don't always need to wait for the perfect role to come along because that there's a certain element of this is well you know you 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 shape the world around you like if you want something to happen be a part of making that thing happen you know if you so I think progress over perfection, you know, you can very neatly box it up into, oh, you know, do a project, do it in little steps, you know, share it with people along the way and that sort of thing. But I think progress over perfection, you know, can be one of those things that um, if you step all the way back, you know, it can really make a difference to how people think about their their longer term careers as well. Yeah, interesting to talk about uh, shaping the world around you because I'm going to tell you how I've progressed from my paralysis before. I'm kind of curious to see how you, what you think about it. Uh, I still go for perfection every time. 
whenever I do something, I will go for perfection. That's just who I am. And if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do the best time job. And if anybody else could do it better, then I failed. The way that I've addressed the problems associated with that is that I'm okay with failure. Mm. I mean, I still hate it. I don't like failure, obviously. <laughs> but I see failure as progress. I see failure yeah. as, okay, I found another way that doesn't work. Or I found a way that I could improve things, things like that. Or, or you found someone else that is able to do it better that you can learn from. Exactly, same thing. Yeah. yeah I mean, again, I, I, I love doing workshops with another person. Yeah. Because even if it's a junior person or a more senior person, it doesn't matter. They will have a different way of looking at it, a different yeah. way of making mistakes. <laughs> yeah. But again, I still want to start whatever I do with, I'm going to do this and it's going to be beautiful. Yeah. Blesh, blameless, completely, uh, uh, totally great. Because anything less than that makes me doubt myself. Mm -hmm. If I start with something and somebody asks me to write a program to do something, I'll just put something together. I'll never finish it because yeah. I just have no motivation. I have no will to work on this thing because I know it's already flawed from the start. <laughs> mm. And that's a bad thing. So, I mean, what I'm trying to say here is that if you're struggling against this and with everything we've talked about, you, you might think that we're saying, okay, you shouldn't strive for perfection anymore. That's not true in my opinion. You no. should still strive no. for perfection, but just be okay and start with a minimal five products and improve upon it until you reach that perfection or as close as you can get. And if something somewhere doesn't work out, if you forgot something or without wanting to insult at somebody because cultural word use was different. I've got some experience, I uh, had some experiences that way where I said something at the moment that felt like a perfect thing to say. And then afterwards I heard that someone was quite enough insult and I thought, oh mm. my God, how did I make that mistake? Mm. Yeah, well, I'm human. Yeah. I didn't do it in, with, with malicious con uh, intent. It was something mm. happened and sometimes you're just in the flow of things and you can't yeah. think about uh, this podcast as well. I've probably said things on this podcast and after that I would have said, not sure if that, uh, if I should have said that, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, to be honest, I wouldn't do this podcast if I wasn't okay with failure every single episode, <laughs> <laughs> but I wouldn't have started this podcast if, uh, if perfection was something that was unforgivable, if not attained. And to be honest, the podcast has really helped me in accepting my limitations, accepting my flaws, both in how I talk, my accent, how I look, uh, my ideas and how wrong I can be. I mean, ev every single episode we release is an exercise in, uh, in imperfection, I would say, <laughs> but it's, I think the, something that you mentioned was around, um, sort of, you know, always aiming for perfection, but being okay with failure. You know, the, there's the, the old saying of like, shoot for the stars. And even if you miss, you know, maybe you'll, you'll still be in orbit or you'll hit the moon or, you know, whatever it is. Ow. Yeah. Um, you know, the, I think one, one thing that people don't sort of, uh, perhaps understand as much is you, when you're sort of doing something like this and you're, um, you know, it's not that you have unreasonable expectations of yourself, but it's pushing yourself. A little bit. It is pushing yourself. And it's also, 
um, in my mind, if if what you have what you talked about is you have developed a coping mechanism isn't quite the right word, but you've developed a framework that allows you to still aim for perfection, but be okay with the fact that you don't always achieve that. And just, you've you've managed to. I was uh, say you've, you've managed should be more than just you, it should be your surrounding as well. Sure, sure. But you, you've managed to do this in a way that you've actually turned that into a healthy sort of behavior. Yeah. And one of the things that, um, you know, lots of organizations now do sort of personality testing and all this sort of thing. And we can, we can, we can get into that another day. But, oh, please, no. <laughs> um, but this is not, like, even those sorts of results they are indicators of based on a certain set of questions how your personality behaves but that's not to say that in a real life situation you don't you haven't developed mechanisms that allow you to counter the things that you are aware of and so being able to i think some of this comes down to being you know self-aware and you're aware for example of yourself that perfection is really important to you because it drives you to excel, it drives you to do a, a great job. And you know that if you start off, you know, thinking about half-assing something, like you'll just lose interest, you won't do it. And so you've developed this, this, this kind of framework that allows you to harness that drive for perfection, but also allows you to to kind of still you know, still get something out of it, regardless of what the the eventual outcome is, and that I think is is something that a lot of people struggle to like find the find that framework or understand that these things even exist. And they just think, oh, you know, I, I've I've got this terrible I don't know personality flaw or whatever it might be um, that. And like this is not, you know, that just because you know this is something that a, is is the way that your your brain is wired by default. That doesn't mean that a that can't change, and it also doesn't mean that you can't develop coping mechanisms, frameworks to counter it. You know, things that when you have real world situations, you're able to overcome those things as well. Yeah, and they can be very small things as well. Because me personally, whenever I have to talk in front of an audience, I get very very nervous. And earlier, I got so nervous that I would, one, try to avoid speaking in public at all costs. And if I had to, I failed miserably because I was so nervous, getting nervous about being nervous, and it just got escalated until the point I couldn't talk anymore. What I've learned along the way is that if I'm doing a presentation and I'm not nervous, it means there has there is nothing in there in it for me. If I do a good job or mm. a bad job, it mm. doesn't matter. So I would be nervous. So for me, being nervous now is a good thing. It's a healthy thing. It means that yeah. I'm excited that I want to do something. I want to do a yeah. good job, and I'm going to try this. And it kind of pumps me up into again failing miserably, probably. I don't know. But again, <laughs> at least being able to do the presentation in a somewhat successful way that at least some of the people in the audience will have a good uh, a good time listening to me. Yeah, and that's just that's a, is that a coping mechanism? Maybe I don't know, but just it's not because your brain is wired a certain way that that needs to be a blocker. Just be self-aware, mm. as you said. Okay, yeah. I have this thing that I get nervous about uh, public speaking. It's a bad thing. Just asking that question. This is my problem. Is the problem, 
or is it just mm. an indication of a certain situation, environment, uh, mindset, things you do? And I had the same thing. I, afterwards, I remembered I had the same thing with exams when I was in yeah. school. If I had to go to an exam and I wasn't nervous at all, I would do very badly. Mm. Because I, I already knew it was going to be bad. <laughs> well, if I went to an exam, an oral exam, something like that, and I was very nervous, I usually scored very high. Because I had there was some skin in the game there. Mm. I had something to protect. So I was just going to say, like, if you want to see uh, Jon and I uh, presenting in the, the wild <laughs> in front of an audience, uh, <laughs> then uh, I'll ask Jon to put a link in the show notes <laughs> for the Code, code Motion uh, Amsterdam or oh, good few years ago now. Four or more, um, I think. Yeah, at least. Um, and I, I love that session. Like, I, I thought that was awesome. I really enjoyed doing it. And, like, similarly, you know, I I get I get energy from, you know, the, the, the sort of... There's always things that maybe drain your energy and things that give you energy in, in when you're sort of uh, thinking about this sort of stuff and this sort of stuff. Like, it's... Yes, it's it, it can be stressful. Um, it, yes, you can be nervous about it, but you know the the sort of the outcome and the sort of having doing a maybe not a perfect job, but like doing a good enough or ending up with a, a good enough job and a, a good enough end result there that you know we strove for perfection. I think we did a pretty good job in that, and like it was it was a great session. Uh, even though um, you know we were both sort of very uncertain as to how it was going to to, to land because it was not your typical conference talk, but no, I think it, I think it went well. Oh, with that stroll down memory lane, unless you have something else to add, I don't think so. I think we've we've progressed all the way to perfection on this episode. This is indeed the perfect time to stop recording this podcast. Indeed. And you can support this perfect podcast by becoming a perfect patron. Every perfect contribution helps. You are on not so perfect YouTube. <laughs> you can <laughs> like, subscribe, and hit notification bells. You can go to our website at www.roadingalpha.org. There's links to the Patreon page, YouTube page, and more information on the podcast. And you can send your feedback by email, by perfect email, to podcast at roaringalpha.org. Until next time, my name is. Mm, almost perfect, Jon. And my name is Always Progressing Dave. I look forward to talking to you again. That was a perfect ending and I screwed it up. <laughs> we'll still talk to you next week. Goodbye. See you then. Well, you know, it's progress. <laughs> uh, just illustrating the point. <laughs>